Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to Gastroenteritis Blues. My name is Steve Whitman. I'm joined, as always, by Dan Pone, but who cares about that? I'm joined by Emily Cannell, who is once again a wedded woman. She was swept away this weekend on her wedding weekend. And I have to ask, Emily, how was it? You had a wonderful weekend. I, I don't even ask. I just say you had a wonderful weekend. No, how was it? How was your weekend? Uh, I believe it was on Friday, and we will talk a little bit about the Sixers angle to this uh, later in the podcast, but tell me how was Friday night, and did you have a great time? Yeah, it was great. We called it our, like, I do part two, even though there were no I do's. We just had a giant party um, to celebrate our wedding. Then we got married in the backyard in, in April, so we finally did the whole thing with the band and the and the ice cream and the caterer and all the all the stuff but um it was really really fun and then we had like another little party yesterday at this really cool arcade with like food and games and bowling and everyone came to that too so it was a whole weekend of fun and my old lady body can't handle all that fun um so I'm very tired and my voice is half gone but it was great and worth it and the best weekend ever was there much crying happy tears was there much of that involved because you're you're surrounded by a lot of loved ones and probably people saying lots of nice things and were there speeches Mm, there were a couple speeches I kept it together pretty good I'm not a big crier there was a point where my dad's voice cracked in his toast and I was looked at him and gave him that look and I said we're not doing that today sir no no can't (laughs) handle it (laughs) get it together not that time um because I never see my dad like get emotional. So I'm like, if you go, I go and it's not happening today. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there we did. We were nice and didn't make our friends that were able to be at our backyard wedding, do their speeches again. But one of Jordy's best men um, was lives in Canada and he couldn't attend that one because he couldn't get out of the country. Um, so we made him give his speech and it was, it was very lovely. How was the food at this affair? Food was great. Everyone said they really enjoyed it. We had a raw bar at cocktail hour. So like oysters, shrimp cocktail, mussels. Um, There was an ice cream truck or a little cart that came in and had six different flavors of ice cream for everybody, um, as well as other desserts. There there was enough food for 
everyone. It was great. It was delicious. And I actually ate dinner, which was nice because I was worried I wasn't. I get hangry, so it was good. They say you never eat the cake at your own wedding, right, girls? Didn't have the cake. That's true. Oh, really? And what kind of cake was it? It was Funfetti cake. Come on. Now we're having fun. Dan, do you have any questions? But they give you like a little one to take home. Oh, that's fun. You're supposed to have it on your first anniversary. So they like give you the top to put in the fridge, the freezer till your first anniversary. Then you're supposed to have it. That's great. Yeah. Daniel. So uh, how's everything else? (laughs) (laughs) How is everything else, Emily? Everything else is great. Luna's here. She's sleeping. She went to the doggy uh, kennel. And so she's exhausted. Hi, Luna. Yeah. So she'll sleep for two days. Is Jordy much of a crier? Uh, yeah, he is. He's a sentimental, mm-hmm. man, sentimental man. He, he loves being surrounded by people. So if anyone is, was crying, it was Jordy. That's sweet. Uh, did he cry sweet. when the Eagles won the Super Bowl? We're going to talk about the Sixers soon enough. But did he cry when the Eagles won the Super Bowl? And did you cry when the Eagles won the Super Bowl? No, I was. No, it was too drunk. Mm, fair. I cried the entire fourth quarter. Really? The whole fourth quarter. I was just very, very overwhelmed. Wow. Wow. I'm not even that much of a crier either. I was just it's the eagle. Where did you watch it? At my friend's parents' house with a bunch of other people (laughs) who I didn't know that well because I was a freshman. I love that. That's good stuff. I did not cry. I, I remember being overwhelmed and I remember the ball, the, the final Hail Mary of the game. I, it took forever for it to actually hit the ground. And then for me to no flags for me to be like confirmed that the game was over and that the Eagles had won the Super Bowl. And there's a video of me hugging my friends and Gabrielle and, and just everybody sort of rejoicing, but it was pure shock that they were actually allowed to win the Super Bowl. I didn't even consider it as an outcome. Yeah. And because then after they won, I went into planning mode, trying to figure out how I was getting to Broad Street. Of course. Yes. You went down. So I had, I, I was, I was in Fishtown. So I was like, how are we getting there? What is happening? We need to go. Mm-hmm. And we ended up getting on the subway. It wasn't that bad. They stopped trying to charge people. They just opened the turnstiles. Right. Did you yeah. climb one of the poles? No, I wasn't a pole climber. Dan, just, were you... No, I was in Pittsburgh, so. Oh, God. Okay. So, but, but if you were in Philly, you would have been lining up for that. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, So the Sixers, I don't know how much we need to talk uh, necessarily about the other games this week. The Sixers beat Charlotte twice. Now the Charlotte uh, uh, Hornets had a COVID outbreak this week. They were undermanned. Um, but the main thing from those games is that Joel looked really good in both of them. He had big games and, and really dragged them through those wins, which were much like uh, Daniel Olinger predicted gross wins, uh, but they won those games uh, as they should have. Then they lost the game against uh, Utah. And then the Sixers beat the Warriors uh, Saturday night in an excellent win, probably their best win of the year. And that's probably, that's really the game that we need to talk about. Matisse Thibel was fucking great guarding Steph Curry when the Sixers played uh, the Warriors the night before Thanksgiving mischief night. um, He was not great against Steph. Steph 
got him a bunch of times on pump fakes and, and lost him a few times. And Matisse was absolutely excellent in this one. Um, I'll read quotes uh, soon from Joel and from Steve Kerr and from Steph and uh, from Draymond and, and all of that. Joel was good, especially defensively in this game. This was easily, I mean, the, the Warriors were like 21 and four coming into this game and they were completely full strength, except for Clay, who's been out all year up until this point. And the Sixers won it, you know, and um, just just a really, really impressive win that, that makes me really excited. We will, of course, in the second half of this podcast, talk all about the Simmons report from Woj and how that affected Emily's wedding. And we'll talk about that later on. But Dan, uh, what did you think about this win over the Warriors? Like how sort of adrenalized were you by it? And what were your main takeaways uh, how did they get it done, and how do you feel about it? I mean, yeah, it was a great win. Um, definitely a game I didn't expect them to win, but I think uh, they finally started getting some contributions from people who weren't Joel. Uh, they were minus nine with Joel on the floor and a plus 18 with Drummond on the floor. Uh, yeah, which isn't weird. is isn't to say that, like, you know, Drummond was incredible or Joel was awful or anything. I mean, it's a single game plus minus, but um, – they really had the bench had not been playing well. They hadn't been getting much help from from really anyone. Maxi played a bit better, I thought. Um, he hit you know a couple threes uh, early. Um, Furcon hit a shot, great, unbelievable. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought that I thought that they they finally you know got a bit of help from some other guys, and which isn't to say that anyone like took over the game or anything. But it it just didn't feel like everyone else was killing you and that you were leaning entirely on Joel for all of the offense. Um, Joel's also, this is kind of a general takeaway, Joel's been just getting a rebound and taking the ball down the floor himself a lot more, um, which I'm sure is, you know, has a lot to do with Ben being out. I kind of love it. Like it just leaves less room for someone else to mess up before he gets to touch the ball in like a position to try to make a move. And he can set an, the offense up a bit in, in a way where he can, you know, make a quick pass and go get in position, get it right back. The ball, it'll, he'll be a pass away from the ball by the time he gets in position, if he can get in position quick. So, um, you know, I've liked that. Uh, but no, it, it was a fun game. I think it shows that, you know, they're not going to, I think we've seen that, like, they're not quite, they're not, they're not better than the Warriors, right? And no one's saying they are. Um, they played really well. Obviously, Thibault was huge. We've also seen Thibault be, Terrible, right? Like, I think everyone had, like, a really solid game when they needed it. Shake was, like, a plus 20, I think. Shake, who has been, I think, pretty good this year. Yeah, I mean, Shake had 10 points on 12 shots, but... Um, right. But, but yeah, I mean, he's... he's. I, I think Shake has been good this year, too. And um, I still like the, the group they have, and I think Joel kind of threw things off um, because... You know, everyone kind of had to step up into a bigger role that they really are not suited for. And even still, some people are, are in roles that are a bit too big for them. But I think, you know, assuming there's something to this Woj report that we're going to get to later, like, I feel pretty good about the team. Like, I, the Warriors have the best record in the league. Yeah, they're getting clay back. Um, and I don't mean to just, like, say that, like, it's nothing. Like, I understand that's they're, they're getting another great player back. But you know, he's been hurt. He's who knows how he's going to look, who knows how long, if he's going to be able to get into a rhythm this year. Um, and the Sixers just showed that like the Sixers are going to get another piece too. hopefully, hopefully, you know, if you hopefully a top 25 player. And so it's like, 
I like a lot of the role players on this team. And, you know, I'm hoping that they can get back into the swing of things a bit because I think the team was just all out of whack for a while. And this is like a really big win held the Warriors. Uh, Harrison had this stat where this is 93 points to the fewest points the Warriors have scored all season, um, which is awesome. And I think it's the kind of win that can hopefully get everyone feeling confident again about what the team can do. Because early on in the season, besides the one awful loss to Brooklyn in the second game, like, you know, most of the game, I mean, like before Joel got sick, they had, I think, two losses, right? You could just write off the Knicks game because they just played terrible, which is going to happen. But they just looked like consistently really solid. And I'm hoping that they can get that back a bit um, and just have guys step up at, at the right times, which is, I mean, like last year, I feel like it's like there was always someone stepping up at the exact right time. Like I never felt like the Sixers were quite as good as their record, but just have something where it's like, you know, it doesn't always have to be Joel. Other guys are going to contribute. So I thought it was a fun game. Definitely, definitely best one of the year. Emily, what was your big takeaway from this Sixers-Warriors game? And then after that, we can go to the quotes and talk sort of more specifically about Matisse and about Joel. So, but overall, what were your takeaways from this win? Yeah, it just seemed, I didn't get to watch all that. I really, I turned it on in the fourth quarter because I was out with people who were in town. Um, And I like to think, kind of take, a little bit of credit for this like great turnaround because when I turned it on they were down by like 10 points and then they really went on a run and so I like to think they felt my presence and were like now it's time but yeah I was from the clips and things that I've seen and the bit I watched I was really impressed really impressed with Matisse and his defense I like right when I turned it on is when Matisse hit a three and I was like wow what is happening like this is a time something supernatural was happening (laughs) yeah so I was like wow um but yeah it was a really good win it's nice to split that that series with the Warriors they're having such a good season and I think this is the kind of win that can like one give these guys confidence after they've been a little like teetering on the edge and also kind of like either and like wake up and like people around we'll see what we're doing here. And then also like other teams can just be like, Hey, maybe we want some of one of these guys that are from the bench so we can trade them with Ben Simmons. Interesting. So the, one of the other storylines that we haven't talked about was that coming into this game, Steph Curry uh, needed 10 threes, needed to hit 10 threes to tie Ray Allen for all time three pointers made. Now it should, it should point to, how fucking incredible Steph Curry is that he needed to make 10 of them in one game. And everybody was like, we got to be really careful here because Steph might just go ahead and make 10 of them. And we got to, how do we, how do we keep him from making 10 in one game? And like, it was a very real thought for everybody. And it just really shows you how incredible Steph is like in my mind, very much a like top 10 all time player uh, when it's all said and done. Um, so, uh, after the game, Matisse said, uh, Matisse who doc now, and I want to talk a little bit about doc after this game, um, or after we talk about this, um, Matisse said, uh, that he talked to Joel at shoot around and said, it was no secret that he's going for the record. And we said, it's not happening in our house. Uh, Joel said, uh, that was not happening on my court. That was not happening in Philadelphia. This is my city. Of course, any, anytime Joel says this is my city, but Philadelphia, we eat it right up. Thank you very much. Steve Kerr said about Matisse Thibel, 
he did as good a job on Steph as anyone I've seen in a long time. Uh, Joel said about Matisse that he was amazing tonight. Joel said he's probably the best perimeter defender in the league. I think he has a chance to be defensive player of the year. Um, we say this a lot, you know, uh, but we tend to read things with a certain slant here on the podcast um, uh, in light of current events. Um, that one I actually don't think is too far of a reach, you know, like in terms of Ben, like Ben is very adamant, or at least the last time he would talk to the public about how, how much he thinks he's the best perimeter defender in the league. And I think Joel saying that into a microphone about a, his teammate um, who, who generally comes off the bench is probably not too far of a reach to, to call that a subliminal, whatever. I think it's fun. Joel gave him a defensive player of the year endorsement. They, they were very adamant that like they did not want Steph to get this tonight. And I just thought that Matisse showed such patience in the way that he defended Steph and, and intelligence in the way that he defended Steph without fouling him. And, and I was just remarkably impressed by him. And if he can't figure out a way to make 33% of standstill threes, like we've got an issue because he has to because he like we will pay him 20 million dollars a year for in perpetuity forever because that's how good he is at defense he's unbelievable and he can be a sixer forever if he wants to if he can just do that now if he can just do that is a very large thing because he can't do that right now and that's a problem also so, like that we've said how many we've said how many years do we say this about ben like i'm sick of it like it's awful no but the, there's a gigantic caveat in that matisse will shoot five of them a game and i think that and matisse that's will try and deal. get better at something which yes. ben doesn't do yeah no matisse not, shoots them without i'm not a having your which, matisse yeah. slander today Dan. this is not, not slander i'm just saying i'm There's not slander i'm not here for it i'm not convinced ben couldn't shoot matisse's current percentage on the same number but he I think he couldn't because he wouldn't point. shoot a three in a exactly. gym with fans there. Yeah, no. I think that Matisse will actually shoot threes. And given that he will actually take a basketball and shoot it, he needs to fucking figure it out and, and shoot a passable percentage. Now, he hasn't done that, and I think that's unacceptable, and he has to figure out a way to do that. But he hasn't done that yet, and that's why I'm worried about him in the rotation, because in general lineups with him and Joel are not very good. And he figured out a way to hit a couple threes last night. And I think that was a big difference in the game. Dan, overall, your thoughts on Matisse last night. I mean, you sort of shared them already, but uh, he was phenomenal. And uh, was that the best game that you think we've seen from him? Obviously, considering the circumstances, he had that game last year against Devin Booker, where he was unbelievable. The Sixers ended up losing that That's game. Right. But they, um, I think great. that was the missed full court shot game. Yes, yes, where Joel heaved it and it like went off the backboard and halfway down and then came out. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it may have been. I mean, he's definitely better offensive nights. Um, he's had much yes. better offensive nights. It's probably not the best game I've seen him have. Um, but I think part of the part of the issue with Matisse is like you don't get this from him all the time. And part of it is like, you know, there's not always a, a guard who like is so dominant especially so so harmful to the defense off the ball curry is uh where you have a guy like matisse is basically the perfect player to chase him around right but like this isn't the this isn't the first time uh, you know matisse 
like you mentioned, it didn't go so well earlier this year. Um, like Matisse is definitely capable of the most impressive defense of any perimeter player in the league. Matisse makes plays that are much more like a single play that is, you know, no one else can do that. Like it's more impressive than, you know, than, than you know, the great plays Ben makes. They're not quite as impressive as Matisse's defensive highlights. He, he didn't really contain Trey Young. Um, I mean, Trey Young wasn't, wasn't really being stopped by anyone, but um, I just think the way we talk about defenders sometimes is like, a great defender is like, oh, this is like an automatic way to stop a guy. Where it's like, it's just never really been the case. And when it really matters, great players are going to score. And this isn't a criticism of Matisse's defense. It's the same thing I said about Ben, which is like, you need players who can score the basketball and can also like ex- acceptably defend and like play good team defense, I think is more important. And so, you know, I, I, like, yeah, Matisse was really good, and, and this was a great individual performance on the defensive end from him. But you can't expect that consistently. You're not going to get it every game in a playoff series. He's not just going to, like, take a, the best player from the other team out or something, just like Ben won't. It, this is, like, a, a long around-the-bush way to say that, you know, I, with, with Wednesday coming up, I as good as Matisse played, right, there's always fans calling for the 11th man to be off the table. I have no qualms uh, about including Matisse in a trade. So that, I mean, yeah, that that is sort of another discussion. Uh, and that, that we can get to a little bit as we get to Joel. But um, Emily, would you say that this now offensively, yeah, Matisse has had games where he's hit like five threes. I think about like, I think his rookie year, I think against Chicago maybe, or there were games where Matisse like went crazy and hit five threes or something, which, which, were a lot of fun, but defensively, considering the circumstances, Emily, do you think this was his best game? It obviously, wasn't a playoff game; it was a regular season game. But do you think this was maybe the best game we've seen from him? Um, yeah, I think so. Defensively, you know, everyone in the league is always constantly trying to figure out how to stop Steph Curry, and we had a guy who. And to Dan's point, figured it out for a night, but I think that he's still a really young player. And I mean, he was, I don't think any other time in his tenure here, he was probably the one tasked with guarding Steph. That was probably Ben's job. So, and I don't know for sure, but I would assume. And so he did it once and it didn't go well. And he watched, I assume he watched tape and figured out how to do better. And I, there's really nothing more I can ask for from a player than like, learning from your mistakes and potentially getting better based on your old habits. So I'm, I'm impressed by it and I think it's good. Um, so yeah, I'd say it's his best defensive game. And if he can keep learning from his, the way he's played against other players in the past and can do this against more people, I think he's a really impressive player that has a lot of value in this league, because especially if we trade, when we trade Ben, I'm not even saying if when we trade Ben, that is, if Matisse went with him, I do think that's then a, a hole in our team that we don't really have a, any like good perimeter, reliable defense. And so that would be like slightly concerning. Depending on who you get back. Right. Yeah, oh, exactly. Depending. Yeah. yeah. But like, so like if they were getting someone that's an offensive machine and not really, then that's, that's kind of a hole that we would have to figure out how to work around. Um, but yeah, I was impressed with it. Yeah. Quickly, Doc, you know, we've, we've mentioned this before. We've somehow become 
somewhat a pro-doc outfit here. And, and we really shouldn't be because we're actually not. But what happens is people blame doc instead of Ben and they should not do that because Ben is a grown adult who should have gotten better at something over half a decade, but he did not. And that is not doc's fault. Now, uh, I, I don't like people have scapegoated doc against Atlanta instead of Ben. Uh, and I think that that was wrong. So this is how we ended up becoming like Doc people. If you want to fire Doc and make Sam Cassell the coach, go ahead, go crazy. I don't fucking care. But I think Doc should get some credit for beating the fucking Warriors who are 21-4 for he matching. Won't. He won't. But for matching Matisse's minutes to, to steps, which I think is great and clearly worked. Like, I think he did a really nice job coaching this game. And no, when they... When they when they win, it's in spite of him. When they lose, yes. it's because yeah, of him. He's he's he he has you know 50, 40, 50 years of experience in the NBA in some capacity. Yet he doesn't understand the game. Uh, believe it or not, he just doesn't bumbling know. Bumbling moron! I, I know. Total it, moron. He doesn't know. Everybody hates him. Everybody on the team hates years. him. Yeah. I, yeah. I I I just think it's somewhere in the middle. Like I don't think he's some genius that like you know, who could, who could not want Doc as their coach? Like, right. I think if you want to fire him, go ahead and fire him. But like, I also don't think that like, they're just overcoming Doc at every turn because he's such a moron with like, no, he's just like holding two pencils being like, well, how do I use these? Like, I, I don't think he's such an idiot that like, they, they just like have no idea what they're doing over there. I, I don't know. Also, like, I thought he did I'm a totally, nice job coaching this game. I'm totally fine. If you want to criticize, like, like Doc when compared to another coach, like, oh, I think this coach does a better job with this or this, like, whatever. Um, but when, like, when people start criticizing, like, specific plays he calls, like, the X's and O's of the plays, like, you know, on Twitter, people were ripping him for, like, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but, like, the end of the Celtics game. But it's like, it looked like they, you know, they definitely could have had a look there. And it's like, people like criticizing the specific X's and O's of a guy who's been involved in NBA basketball for 50 years. He was a point guard. He's been a championship winning head coach. Like he knows how to call a play. Like, like, and, and, and guess what? Everyone who's criticizing him doesn't like, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. And so it's like, I'm totally fine to criticize a coach because like, you know, I'll, like I'll criticize doc because doc's job isn't to be better than me. Right. Doc's job is to be better than the other coaches. But like, I would never like suggest an alternative and be like, oh, he should, I know better. He should do this because what the hell do I know compared to him? Like my issue is like, if he doesn't know something compared to Tyron Lue. Yeah. Or, or why is the, why is Tobias getting the ball instead of blank? But like in that Boston sequence in particular, like very clearly Joel is posting the ball up on future six or Jalen Brown and they didn't give him the ball. Like that's, that's not Doc's problem. It's also Doc could have swung it. Doc could have, or I'm sorry, uh, Tobias could have swung the ball. He could have found a way to get the pass off right. in six seconds. Right. Like, why, He's like, too as, busy as thinking about as, Anna Karenina's chapter seven. It's like, come on. As much Fucking as he drives it crazy. Yeah. Like, I, I don't have a lot of confidence in Tobias, but I, how could you possibly, even if you say the coach should be like, oh, you know, you know, we should, we should maybe not trust Tobias with a certain thing because we don't, whatever, right? Like, he, I, I think any NBA player should be able to be trusted to get a pass off to a big man on a wing, single teamed wide open the post within six seconds, within six seconds. How is, how should Doc have seen Tobias doing that coach? Come on. All right. Um, last thing here. 
after the game, Steph Curry said on the Sixers. Now, I will say, 48 hours before this, Sixers lose to uh, the Jazz by, like, a lot. Joel's, like, holding his side. I'm like, do we have, like, a new body part I need to wake up in the middle of the night about, Joel? What the fuck? He's okay. After the game against the Sixers, Steph Curry says uh, about the Sixers, maybe we'll see them in June. All right, now we're going to the finals. Great, love it. And then today, Draymond Green tweets, uh, it's been a couple of years since losing a game bothered me this much. This is good. Now we got a new rivalry, baby. Now we're back. And Dan tweeted today from Gastro Blues, the Sixers are 12 and five, a 58 win pace when Joel Embiid plays this year. They were 39 and 12, a 63 win pace when he played last year, uh, which is to say, get him some help, get him a second guy um, because he's the best. And um, he deserves like a real life co-star and um and yeah I don't, do you guys have anything else on this game before we move on to the second half here i thought i was happy to see maxi have a nice game here with um with joel because it was it was about time for one of those and it was good to see him hit a couple threes and get to the rim at the end of the game he had a couple nice passes and, and got to the rim nicely anything else from either of you here that jazz game was awful i, I had yucky. to turn it off they only, well, you know, they only I don't want to talk about it besides players. that. Yeah. 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 Just terrible. Not good. Emily? Didn't even watch the Jazz game. See, that's how you don't watch the losses. There you go. You still watch it. They didn't I, have, I, they only had like corporate cable at the hotel. So they didn't have any like local anything. And so I couldn't get it. Easy enough. Even though there it was in go. NBC Sports Philly like territory, they, you know, corporate Marriott bullshit, you know? corporate we hate corporations here unless one wants to sponsor us and then we will love one we're moving on we're going to take an ad break and then after that we're going to talk about the woge bomb heard round emily's wedding um and then we're going to talk about how that uh impacted uh her nuptials support for this show comes from sylvan learning as a parent you want your child to have every opportunity but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, here's what happened. On 
Friday. Rebecca Black. That's probably Rebecca Black. Mentioning Rebecca Black to Dan is probably like mentioning Dolly Parton. He probably has no idea who that is. Like I know Rebecca who Black that is. is what do you think? I'm 15? Ancient reference. Yeah. I know who okay. that is. You know oh, who geez. Dolly Parton is? I know who Dolly Parton is. Okay, I'm just checking. Rebecca Black's mom. All right. Woj tweets on Friday. ESPN reporting with Zach Lowe. Philadelphia's trade conversations on Ben Simmons gathering momentum in recent days. More teams engaged, more two and three way deal structured talks ongoing as the 76ers try to land a top 25 player for Simmons. Much of the renewed impetus surrounds Wednesday when 84% of the league's 446 players become eligible to be traded. Right now, 65% are eligible to be moved. The Portland Trailblazers have made it clear to the 76ers that all-NBA guard Damian Lillard is not available to be discussed in trade talks, and the franchise has no interest in moving him. Lillard has repeatedly expressed... uh, Okay. Um, They've expressed it. Now, I want to know, what do you guys think is the driving force behind this. Now, we have heard for a little while now that this date, December 15th, when when players that have signed this summer um, are eligible to be traded, would be a big date that that things could really kick up again. I think just for salary matching purposes, because there really aren't any players that signed this summer who would be like the guy in this trade. But this feels pretty big to me because like, Having a report like this from Woj and Lowe feels pretty substantial. Um, Emily, what do you think is the driving force behind this? Is it just this date or is there any, do, do you think there's some internal pressure here at all from Doc or from Joel? Or do you think that it's the instability around the league from teams really realizing they're not good enough? Like what, what do you think? Or is it just a combination of everything? I think it's probably a combination of anything, but I think I would wait this date as like the, the largest portion of the pot it's like all right where if it's for the friday before we gotta we gotta get this thing moving like the time to like do a play our standoff games and like who will like bite first like the time for these games is running out we kind of have to do something if we're gonna do something so yeah dan what about you what do you what do you think is like the driving force behind this like renewed uh sort of momentum uh with these talks I don't know, Daryl calling Woj and talking to him. Uh, that sounds... No, 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 but, but you think it's real, right? Like, you don't think he made the shit up. I, uh, I don't think it's made up. I, I'm not sure how much I buy that it's, like, really happening, though. I mean, Dan, I, I, I got to tell you, how... I cannot have this. For, I cannot. Like, I cannot. All right, listen. Like, the, the idea that there's, like, all of a sudden, you know, a player available – or salary able to be matched that that they couldn't before Wednesday. And I understand that, you know, we could be talking a three-team deal. We could be talking about something that we had no idea. It could be out of nowhere. But, you know, they say specifically top 25 player. People have been playing around in the trade machine a lot. I don't know anyone who's come up with something that had to wait until Wednesday, other than that we always assume the Sixers would just because uh, to have, you know, more options. Um, but the, the mention of top 25 seems very from the Sixers. Uh, also seems like very, very subjective. Uh, I don't really know what to make of that. I don't know who Daryl thinks is top 25. He could basically spin anyone as top 25. And people will believe right. him. Well, especially with the, 
the read he gets from media from Sixers fans, Daryl could trade for like like some someone who everyone considers to be like the 40th best player in the league. And everyone will be like, oh, I guess he's top 25. Like people just like take whatever Daryl does, Daryl does as if it's like correct. Um, but I don't know. I don't, I don't fully buy it, especially part of it was like I was expecting more. Like there's no one else has had like a report piggybacking off of this. Um, and, you know, Woj's, you know, write-up usually contains something new. And this one came after like an hour and had nothing new in it, like nothing really interesting. Um, I don't know. I just don't, I, I, I don't really buy it. And like, I could, I would love to be wrong and I, I could definitely be wrong. But if, if I am wrong, I don't like think it's like one of the trades we're all thinking of at least. Like, like, because we just haven't heard enough. And I know Woj is Woj, so I'm not saying it's made up. But, like, if the, if the wheels were really, like, turning and something was, like, imminent at this point, I think we would have heard. Well, it's interesting. You know, so what, what we heard, which I don't know that – I don't know how much stock you want to put in this, is the Philly guys, after Woj and Lowe had this um, – and I don't know how much, if anything, you put in that it was Woj and Low and not just Woj. I mean, I, I have no idea. Um, but all the Philly guys went ahead and backed this up. Hey, uh, Dan, can you just check what Harrison just sent to the Slack? Is a Dumas thing. Um, uh, uh, here we go. All right. You know what? If it, we'll just read it, and if we don't like it, we'll cut it out. Here's what we have. Okay. This is from Jason Dumas. Source. And then thread in parentheses oh, no. for accurate quotation. Okay. Is Maxi not doing charity events anymore? Okay. <laughs> the Sixers haven't found a trade partner they like who's willing to trade for Ben Simmons straight up. A third team seems imminent. As reported ad nauseum, Maury is still holding firm for a top tier player. He will not deal Simmons just to get him off the roster. Okay. Maury also intends to keep the core, in parentheses, active roster intact. He's looking to add, not blow up. He sees Tobias, Matisse, and Tyrese on this roster unless one of them becomes collateral in the acquisition of a star. Oh, my goodness. There's no way he sees Tobias on this roster unless he has to. Anyway, there is optimism that a deal can get done after December 15th when players who sign new contracts over the offseason can be traded. That will give the Sixers more options. What? I mean, I, it, it, it's... Is that any... Do we have anything there? Like, I think it it's kind of what I've been saying for a while, which is if you're trading a good player to rebuild, you don't want Ben Simmons. Um, if you're, you, you know, you want picks or something. If you're reading this into this much, I mean, I guess like this could apply to like Beal or something. Like it sounds like they want to star from a rebuilding team uh, who doesn't want to take on Ben, but I don't see any of these players being imminently available. Like I don't see Beal getting traded this second. I, I don't know. Okay, so anyway, what you were saying about what the fuck were you saying? That's the a main question that I had. Uh, oh, I was talking about how it just doesn't feel like, like there haven't been other. <laughs> I was oh, saying there hasn't been any other reporting on this right. as we read a so, report on the. So our local uh, people backed up that talks are heating up, leading up to Wednesday, and two and two and three team permutations essentially um i guess i would say oh and then mark stein said that the sixers are interested in like a 
Dame or or Shea type of thing. I think the Sixers need to sort of pick up the ball and go home as it pertains to Dame. Every time he gets in front of a microphone, he's either rapping or he's saying, I'm not asking for a trade. So we should believe him at this point and move on because uh, I thought during the summer, I was like, this is definitely happening. It's not happening. I'm sorry. It's very upsetting. It's not happening. Um, and Woj also had it in his report that the Sixers tried to trade Tobias for CJ and the new Portland guy said, no, thank you. So, okay, you got it. Now we go into top 25, I think is very intentional as a part of this report and who exactly could be in top 25. Zach Lowe had a podcast the other day where he was talking about the Simmons thing. And this was before this report came out and he said, things are quiet on the Simmons thing. And he said, a team to keep an eye on is Boston because things are not very good there right now. And they're lurking around and I would just keep an eye there because things are not very good. And I would think that they would want to get involved in a major way if things don't get better. They have a very difficult schedule right now. And Jalen Brown is the very obvious guy who I think would qualify, if not exactly top 25, but right on the fringe there. He's a great age. He's under control. He would fit like glove on the roster. The other options uh, in this vein would be Shea Gilgis Alexander, who there have been weird reports that he would be for some reason available from OKC. Uh, the reasoning I think from OKC would be that they could get Ben, he could stat pad, and then they could trade him for a bunch more stuff that they could continue building this sort of cudgel of picks um, to eventually play basketball. I'm not really sure, but not, not dissimilar as, as Sean Kennedy wrote, uh, brought up to us, uh, what, what Hinky did with Drew Holiday, who was young and seemingly somebody you want to build around, but you kick the can down the road a, a bit more and just get more stuff to, to, find the ultimate guy. Kyrie Irving, who we talk, talked about recently, who is the sort of distressed asset who uh, will not get the vaccine. Uh, uh, of course, Ben is not vaccinated. He would have to get vaccinated to go to Brooklyn. Uh, Bradley Beal, who said last week that he is currently not signing his extension and he needs to be selfish at some point, and he's still deciding about that. Uh, I don't think Washington is bad enough right now to trade Bradley Beal, uh, so I think that they're still trying to win games. Fred Van Vliet and OG Ananubi, I would guess that they would need more than Ben. I would think that they would need Ben and a young guy, as in Matisse or Maxi. Is there anyone else that comes to mind, and what do you think of those options? Who among them would you want the most? And is there anybody among them that you feel the most like it's going to be Emily? If I had to pick anyone that I think it would probably be, I think it would be like someone in the Toronto situation. But I don't really have any reason why. It's just like a gut feeling. I don't want hmm. to do the Kyrie Irving thing. We talked about this before. And like you said, I don't think that Washington is like really actively looking to move Brad Beal right now they're not they're playing okay like it's going fine much better than previous seasons so I would say someone in that Toronto vein I'm not really sure which guy um and I don't really have a good reason why either so there you go just my gut yeah Dan of, of those guys that I mentioned did we miss anybody and is there anybody in there that you feel you know, like, like if you, if you had to, let's say that you put more stock into this report, it sounds like you, you agree with Drew Corrigan from a few years ago and you think that Woj is like a hype beast and you, you think he's sort of a faker. Um, That's not what I said. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what, what do you think? 
uh, is there any of these guys that you would think is more likely than others? Um, I think Kyrie is very likely if Ben would get the vaccine. Um, I think... Um, oh, meanwhile, by the way, I, I, this is a pure guess. I feel like he would totally get the vaccine to get the fuck out of Philly. I, I think if they came to him and were like, okay, we could trade you to contender tomorrow. Right? You get vaccinated, I think you'd do it. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't care about being a contender, though. That's, that's true. true. And he, he wouldn't handle the ball care a little bit. There's if you told him that, he... I think it's more if you told him, we'll trade you to get you out of Philly at any point, he would get the vaccine. I don't really think it's right. about going to a team that's going to win. Um, I think Jalen Brown is becoming more and more likely the more uh, Ime Udoka seems to hate his team. <laughs> and uh, I think I think Shea is, is maybe a possibility. Uh, right. if the Sixers are willing to give more than just Ben. So I think those would be the three most likely guys. Um, I don't see why the Raptors would give on an Obi. Uh, definitely not on an Obi and Van Vliet. I don't really right. see that happening. So I think those would probably be my three best guesses right now if, if you were to say you, know, you think the Sixers are going to get a guy in that tier. Yeah. Do we need to mention James Harden? I mean, they're first in the East, so probably not. And I'm sure they'd no. like to pay him a max extension this offseason. So, uh, no, I guess not. Uh, uh, I guess not. I would I would like it if he put on the fat suit again and went out there and, uh, like, threw the ball at another assistant, uh, like, at, at one of the ball boys again and, and really tried to get out of there. That would be fun. Before we predict how this is going to end up emily this happened this all happened on friday which was the night of your uh wedding party how did you how were you made aware of this i in my mind you're like getting all dolled up in your wedding gown and one of like the secret service members comes over and like whispers to you the woes tweet and then the thread is coming out and he goes it's not going to be dame uh dame is staying in portland so and then you're like okay keep me posted like how did how did it all go down for you um yeah it was very similar um not really <laughs> but I so I didn't have my phone when we were doing pictures and like I am not I was not that stressed about the day so I was like on my phone all day and being annoying and <laughs> but I didn't have it during pictures so I didn't have pockets or anywhere to put it and then I came back and me and Jordy didn't go to cocktail hour we had like we just spent the hour like alone because we wanted like an announcement moment since we didn't have a ceremony. Um, so people just like brought us food and drinks and it was great. But that, and I was like looking at Twitter and I was like, shit, I was like, something's happening. Something's moving. I was like, I need to have like, a. I did need, I was like, I appointed someone at the ceremony because I didn't take my phone to the reception. I did appoint someone as like my secret service person. I'm like, if the trade happens, you need to like, let me know because this happened at a friend's wedding. It was during NF, like the playoffs in 20, the football playoffs in like 2019 when the Patriots, or 2020, I don't know, 2020, I guess, when the Patriots lost. And it was like a thing where once the Patriots lost, like everyone was whispering it around. So I anticipated that the same thing would happen and I would be made aware and I could have celebrated, but it was, it was on my radar all night. Let's just, I'll say that. And was Jordy the same way? Yeah, Jordy. I mean, Jordy cares less about basketball than I do, yeah. but also once Ben Simmons out of Philadelphia. Otherwise, our marriage would 
it's questionable but we're more on the same yeah, page but if he was a huge things like ben that guy. so yeah all right so uh now before we predict the week's games let's predict the situation that happens this week dan i take it your prediction is that this goes on like correct me if i'm wrong but you you're do you predict that this this does not end this week yeah and i i think that it's a beautiful hedge because if it doesn't happen i'm yeah. right and if it does happen i'm happy so yes you're so at least i'll be right or happy you know yeah Emily, what's your what's your prediction? And and if you are predicting that it happens this week, predict who is the guy that comes to Philadelphia. Uh, I want to predict that it's going to happen this week, but I don't know who the guy is going to be. If I had mm, no, mm. let's do unpredicted happens. I don't know what I want to happen is I want it to happen this week and I want it to be, I want it to be CJ is what I want it to be because I would say I want it to be Shay, but I'm a maxi apologist and I don't want it. I want maxi to stay. I really don't think they, they would have to trade maxi with Ben for CJ. That feels like too much. Exactly. That's why I feel like I would like CJ. And then I feel like it could just be like a straight up or like some random pick or something stupid that I don't care about right now because it's not a handsome person that I like. Steve, they definitely don't have to trade. Did you mean for Shay? No, no, no. I'm sorry. I meant for Shay. Like, I don't, I think that Maxi would be too much to include for Shay. I think that they would have to give more than that. Yes, me too. But I think that that would be in the way of picks. But my point is then if Shea's here, then Maxi gets relegated to the bench because Shea is going to be starting. And then I just like Maxi and I think he's adorable and I like watching him play basketball. <laughs> A lot of times, like my, what, what I want is not what's best for the team. If people don't realize that. At <laughs> I mean, Shea is six, six and played a season with Chris Paul. Yeah, so I'm, they not, play together. I'm not convinced they couldn't play together. I agree with All you. Right, then I'll do that. I like this one. This is what I like. Here's what I say. And what I say goes, as we know. First, I'm going to levy a request. My request, Thursday, it's Gabrielle's birthday. Gabrielle, I love with all my heart. Do not, Daryl, do the trade Thursday night. We will need to do an emergency podcast, of course, for the fans. For the three fans that listen on the other feed, we'll have to. And I, I will not be able to. So Thursday night... Don't do it then, because the, they will have to do it, and we'll have to get Drew on the editing. It'll it'll be chaos, okay? Yeah. Also, podcasts without you are that's tough. Like they go off the rails. People going to talk the whole time. People prefer them. They'll like the audio better. People prefer. Them. Um, so it's do my audio, they hate. Let's pick scared. another. <laughs> no, not get not this block. time. Look at that mic. Get the block. Get the block. <laughs> All right. So my prediction. Um, because this is the life I've chosen. I predict, I predict that it happens this week just because Woj is the biggest guy we have. And he doesn't fire off tweets like that for nothing. You know? I think it's real. I think it happens this week. And I think the guy is going to be... I think it's going to be fucking Kyrie. I think it's going to be... I think it's going to be absolute chaos. I will be really upset. 
it's going to be Kyrie and we're going to be over here and we're going to be like, listen, how effective are these vaccines anyway? You know, like, like we're going to have a whole podcast. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing. All right. I love Joel. Oh. I want the team to win. If Joel oh. is winning and that makes Joel happy, I don't need anyone else on the oh team to be that like. I really don't need him to be that like. Wow. I mean, listen, he's an incredible basketball player, but that would be rough. That would be rough from a personality and like intellect standpoint. I don't yeah. have to like him. I, I just yeah. feel no need to like him. I like Joel. I, yeah, I need what to I would like really, most people. Yeah. What I, what I would really love is Jalen Brown. I think he's super cool and would that fit would like, like a glove positionally on this team. Um, uh, he would fit great. I wouldn't think they would need to do a ton other than Ben. Like Maxi wouldn't need to go in that trade. Um, he would be really great. And I do think I just that think they would make us Jalen would make us so much better than yes. the Celtics. And so I'm like, why would the Celtics do that? What, the reason so recently Tim Bontemps had a story for ESPN. Now, uh, we didn't mention Indiana is going to trade off their guys. Now, a three team trade would make sense where like Sabonis went to because Indiana wants Ben and has wanted Ben for a long time. A three-team trade would make sense where Ben went to Indiana, Sabonis went to Boston, and the Sixers got Jalen. That would make sense to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, Boston gets, like, a big center who makes a lot of sense with Jalen or Jason. Um, The Sixers get Brown, and then Indiana gets a guy like Ben who would play really great with Hip, with, uh, not Hibbert, with, um, what's his name, Turner and with Brogdon. Um, Hibbert's with the Sixers. So that would that would be among my favorites. Uh, Shea would, would be like incredible, um, but I w- would really like Jalen Brown. But man, I would love for this to just fucking happen this week. How how great! I mean, especially coming off of this win against the Warriors, to to just lead into the new team where we can be released from this hell, and um, uh, it would it would be so much fun. I, I would just please guys, please end this. And Dan, I I, I actually. I've come to really respect your outlook on this because I think that your joy will be better than even our joy because you'll be shocked by it. And cause you're operating from a position of not expecting it. Whereas I will be more relieved than anything because I'm building myself up so much, you know? You know, I, I did that for a full season, but I did it for a full season's worth for, you know, a couple months to start. Yeah. It wasn't even a couple months, but if you count the off season, it was like it was a few months. Um, mm-hmm. As soon as there were even whispers about Harden, and so I can't do that again. And there's just there's no guy, there's no guy I want that badly. Like yeah. I obviously want the trade. Harden was the guy for you, yeah, yeah. Well, he's just a million times better than anyone available. He's also right. he's also easily better than people who are not available, who people wish were. Like he's he's head and shoulders over Dame, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Like I, I don't think it, they're all that close, and so for me, like I, it's easier to not do that this time again. Time to predict the week's games. Emily, would you please update the standings before we do? Sure. So uh, Dan's big swing didn't go as planned. He predicted a win against Utah and a loss against Golden State, Ooh. which were, were reversed. So he had a two and two week, and then me and Steve both had three and one weeks because we predicted they were going four and oh so at the moment 
Steve's still in the lead at 16 and 11, then me at 15 and 12, and then Dan in 12, 15, 12 and 15. All right, good stuff. This week, the Sixers play at Memphis on Monday, and then they have a back-to-back. -back. They play at home against Miami. It's sort of a tough week. At home against Miami, and then at Brooklyn in a back-to-back. -back. Uh, and then they play at home against New Orleans. Uh, of course, Wednesday is the game at home against Miami. There could be trades happening here in the middle of this week where multiple players, even players that are on the active roster, could be leaving the team. We don't know. So if you want to factor that in, you may. Uh, Emily, I'm going to go to you first. So the games, just to reiterate, are uh, at Memphis, then a back-to-back -back, uh, home against Miami and at Brooklyn, and then home against New Orleans. All right. I'm going three and one. I'm going... Win in Memphis against Miami at home, something's going to happen. So they're going to be a little discombobulated for Brooklyn. And then they're going to beat the Pelicans because the Pelicans seem to be a bit of a mess at the moment. Um, so that's what I'm going. Win, win, loss, win. Okay. Um, Dan, you're up. I'm going to say two and two with a win in Memphis, a loss to Miami, a loss in Brooklyn, and a win over the Pelicans. Okay, I am going to say two and two. They're going to beat Memphis. They're going to lose to Miami. They're going to beat Brooklyn. And then because we're going to have to do a podcast after that Sunday night game, they're going to lose to the shitty Pelicans, I think. So that's my two and two. Anything else here? Emily, any more weddings in the future? What do we got? Not for me. Not for you. Um, Dan, anything else as we head into the week? This could be a big week. It could not. Um, anything else uh, for you, no. my friend? I'm also not getting married. So. No, not yet. Not this week. Not this week. This is an hour and 10 minute podcast. I've had to pee since minute 20. So um, this has been a real uh, flu game performance by me, I think. Um, good to see you both. Emily, happy to see that you had such a fun wedding. And um, Daryl, as always, trade Ben Simmons, please, for the love of God. Follow Gastro Blues Pod, third and girl, Steve J. Lippman. And um, we love you and uh, be safe and be great.